This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast. A podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Cricket Chathke. I'm your host, Adit. In today's episode, we have a returning guest, a very popular one, I must say, uh, to give us an Australian perspective on the ongoing BGT, as well as, you know, shed some light on some very interesting games in the Women's World Cup and the WIPL auctions and other cricket news from the cricketing world. Welcome to the episode, Mog. G'day. That was Australian. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's see how much more Australianisms you can get in before the episode is done. Most of them are swearing, so maybe not. Ah, it's okay. Um, we know you're Mog, right? So be yourself. So <laughs> that's one thing. And uh, I think let's just dive in. So BGT, Australia, first test. Any surprises? Um, other than the fact that Todd Murphy played and Travis Head didn't, not really. <laughs> so let's go into the first of those and then the second. Both are interesting discussion points. So they always invite parents today when they give uh, when they give their debut caps to uh, young teenagers or youngsters, so that they can come watch their kids perform or fail or whatever. You'd like to think that they would. Um, it's not like they're short of a dollar, so they could afford to fly a couple of people over. Well, if that's if they pay for the parents, maybe they make the parents pay themselves. I don't think they pay for the parents. That that's come on, <sighs> a, a two-way ticket from India to Australia is way too costly. I think. Mark. That's just rude. Oh, but this 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 lad didn't let uh, his parents down. Neither did the other one, Edgar, previously, right? No. So no. seven for. Uh, well. Better than better than if you went out first ball and then got tonked for none for 180, I guess. Fair enough. So I think there's only one example of such a recorded thing. I think there was an English cricketer in the 1940s whose wife, 1930s, I think, whose wife um, was knitting something and he went into bat and she dropped her knitting uh, kit and she bent down to pick it up and when she rose her uh, or put her head up again, he was out. He was bold. She had missed it. So I think at least they traveled a fair way. And I think he did justice. He was on the field for a long time, right? Got a lot of air time. So it's a good mm. start. But so what's with Australian off-break bowlers in India? So Jason Crazer before him and this guy. I hope he goes much better than Jason Crazer, do you think? Uh, let's hope there's more pan than just flash. Well, or no. old Jason so, Crazer. Oh yeah, he was discarded too early. I thought, but you know, that's 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 way back when. But if you come back to this youngster, look, um, I like his bowling style. He bowls faster, and uh, th- there will be some uh, adjustments to come. But what I like is his relentness. He's right there and thereabouts. You have to play him from from the front of the back foot all the time and use your bat. He'll not let you leave a lot of balls, isn't it? I I think he hasn't played that many domestic games, so he maybe hasn't learned too many questionable tactics um, <laughs> I see. that the older bowlers might be mm. keen to get him into. So he um, he played in the BBL this year. I saw mm. him in that a little bit and he seemed pretty good. Um, He's highly rated. Paid off so He's far. Highly rated. Exactly. I mean, the bald one also rates him pretty high. What do you think? He's uh, set up to take over from the bald one once he goes. Uh, I think we might want to wait to see whether or not he lasts more than a couple of tests. Okay. okay. We don't want another uh, Dan Cullen or um, Michael Beer on our hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Xavier Doherty, I thought he could have played a couple more tests, but, I mean, I think he had some other issues off the field or what? I had a terrible haircut too, so that really shortened oh, yeah. him out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Him and Steve O'Keefe. All right. Oh. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you have to try uh, your spinners against your own uh, Punjab canteen 11 or whatever that was, right? And then you know the quality before you bring them over to India. But uh, that's just more water under the bridge, isn't it? They didn't play any warm-up games, so... <laughs> that was a good mm-hmm. one. You know, you know that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting point because I think they, 
they declined a warm up game because they they said the pitch was not good at all nowhere near what they could expect in a real match so they asked give us center pitch practice on one of the i think they were given a center pitch practice in bangalore somewhere in our, the nca national cricket academy here and they were happy with that i thought uh well given how quite unquote doctored the actual test pitch was maybe they should have mm-hmm. played on a really bad one might have helped them out a little bit so shots fired so the pitch was doctored you say oh no i don't say that it, that if the pitch was prepared as most nations would prepare pitches in their home country i would have thought <laughs> uh, both teams had to play on it so hmm. an australian spinner managed to take seven wickets it can't have been that one sided australia just couldn't bat was their problem i think so that's that's pretty much hitting the nail on the head then comes the next point travis head for Matt Renshaw? I, I was under the impression he was, I had heard that he was injured and therefore that's why he wasn't picked, but hmm. apparently he wasn't. So whether or not the, the looming spectre of pitch doctoring and the Indian spinners scared the selectors enough to drop him <laughs> and put in somebody else, I really, I wouldn't like to speculate, really. But uh, neither, well, Renshaw didn't really polish his reputation at all and Hanscom wasn't quite as bad but I don't think either of them would have been any great loss if he'd played instead so probably so, a mistake oh yeah I mean so why bring him on the tour at all if you don't trust him in the very first test right so if you say he can't play spin why do you bring him on the tour that that, that was like for me a very weird thing to do so you do expect faster pitches later on I mean, as the series gets tighter, do you expect better pitches, more bowler-friendly pitches, uh, fast bowler-friendly pitches? I don't know. What's the thought process there? Uh, I would I would imagine that given the way the first test went, um, they may not need to play any pace bowlers at all. I'll just bring in a battery of five or six spinners <laughs> of various kinds and that'll get the job done. No, nah, I mean, Shami was pretty good, wasn't he? From Indian perspective. And Cummins was extremely good. So, look... I think the way I look at it, you would require at least one to two good fast bowlers, even on what you might call a complete dust ball of an Indian pitch, because things are going well, your spinners will do all you want. But otherwise, you'll need some variety, right? If Green plays, you get that automatically. Then I would say, let the captain and Green play as fast bowlers. It looks like Hazelwood is still injured. Stark might be fit. Do you think they'll include Stark in the second test? Um, I've t- now that they've um, had the, the experiment, I guess, and they, if they can get Green back in, there might not be as much pressure to, to play uh, to play um, Stark instead of, say, Boland. Boland didn't mm. really do that well. Uh, didn't do overly badly, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. I think that they'd, if, if they decide that they need pace, then they'll pick him over Boland, I think. Hmm. See, uh, Green brings two advantages. One, he can give you, I don't know, 10-12 overs in an innings you might need from a faster bowler. But he he has a lot of stability. The way he bats, I really like him. This guy is, what, six foot plenty, no? So he can also he's, stretch he's right down the pitch. Uh, yeah, he um, he's oh, well, latest in a long line of golden boy all-rounders Australia likes to go with. <laughs> um, yeah. Ever since Flintoff touched him up, whenever it was in 2005 or something, uh, they've yeah. been desperately trying to find them. But um, he he seems he seems like a good fit, I think. So I really like the composure he shows around the crease, the solidity, sort of you know the rest of the uh, the rest of the people in the dressing room can just uh, take a deep breath when he's at the crease. You always have people like that. I, I thought Travis had had that had that quality and I would actually place that very high on the list. You see Marnus and Steve Smith play, they're twitching and it still doesn't give you that kind of, you, you, you can be confident, but you can't be comfortable somehow. That's my feeling, right? Uh, the, the number of times Steve Smith played at something and missed and then he twitched, gave the thumbs up to the bowler, it just made me want to run out there and smack him. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if it's a case of with those two guys twitching and spasming and just generally not possibly scoring runs while they do it, they do need somebody who can stabilise things a bit 
which I guess gets to your point of, of him being a stable, level-headed. He's not going to do some sort of weird deal scoop reverse sweep thing at the wrong time. <laughs> right. I think Gary can't then be told to not reverse sweep. Apparently, that's in his DNA and falling into pools. I think his arm is permanently bent in reverse sweep mode, so <laughs> he, he literally can't do anything else. Um, well, so so coming back to the other thing, I mean, Peter Hanscom. So I, I think he deserved another chance based on how he played in the first innings. But if you see both head and green sort of fitting back in, if green is fit, he'll play. I don't see any issues there. But if they say, let's just swap uh, Renshaw for uh, head, then would Pete Hanscom lose his place to uh, green then? Uh, I'm going to give a disclaimer here that I hate this person I'm about to mention so very, very much, but David Warner needs to maybe have a oh, bit of yes. I was going to bring that up next, but go on. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's uh, again, I may be slightly biased, but he's he just seems a bit cooked. He's, That's if uh, you could drop him, bring head in, head could potentially open. Uh, Warner's not providing a great deal. And hasn't, apart from one minor blip, um, he hasn't for a while. So I think it's probably time they look very long and hard at, at telling him it's time to go. Get it out of the way now. Get some new guys in there. Settle before they mm. have to go off and play the Ashes. And and then I can just laugh and laugh and laugh at Dave Warner trudging off for the last time. Well, I mean, you can laugh at him, laugh at his back. When you look at his face, he'll probably still be smiling. He's earned enough money and enough reputation. So not many people got a big hundred in their hundred test. He got a double, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, good on him. Add a few dollars to his IPL contract. Yeah. Look, for a basher who came out of T20 and played a T20 international before even a first-class match, if I'm not wrong, he's played a hundred tests. He is the one that's actually going to walk away laughing. I mean, and I think, yeah, you're right in as much that maybe he's done. He's never really good on uh, South Asian pitches. So that that's 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 really showing up badly here. He looked strokeless. He tried to spend some time, but there are no runs coming. That 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 was not nice to see. Or yeah, nice to see. I think the well, it was very nice to see him not scoring. He, he maybe he's just not the kind of guy I think that can sit there and go, "Well, I'm going to graft for fifty or sixty balls and only have fifteen at the end of that period." Yeah. And then, now that I'm better in, I can go back to my more um, fluent ways. I just don't think he necessarily has the patience to do that kind of thing, and that might mm. be a little bit more of what's required than trying trying to be pugnacious and fight his way out. I think that's the head that's gone because a Warner five years ago would have done exactly that, what you're saying. But I think it might be the head thing now. He's old enough. But look, I mean, I'll just switch to the other side of the coin now. KL Rahul has been attracting a lot of uh, flack for the way he played. But I think he did what Warner should have done, isn't it? 20 or 71 or something, while on the other end, his captain kept blazing. Yeah, so he dug in to use a horrible cliche. But he sort of sat there and and anchored one in while people around him were getting the job done, so to speak. Um, mm. he, did he... Uh, was he opening in the last series they played? I don't remember. I think so, yes. I think so. Mm. I nah, I can't remember absolutely as well. Let's just say uh, he was the man in possession. That's why he was uh, chosen to go in. So mm. because there are plenty of people chomping at the bit, right? You have Shubman Gill, right? And then... So that was one of the things I'm happy about if they want to continue. So I gave that 71 ball 20 a lot more credit because, look, Pat Cummins and had a little bit of an off day, I think, in the first half of that Indian innings. And that was fully capitalized. Otherwise, India would not have gotten onto the sort of start they could and they did because KL Rahul was going nowhere. But Rohit Sharma was going at run a ball until in, into his 40s, if I'm not wrong. Right? So yeah. that 71 run partnership or whatever for the first wicket was what really killed the match. If you think about it, on the first day. Uh, well, getting off to that kind of start means they don't have to be quite so frantic as, as the afternoon mm. lengthened. So, right. and yeah, Cummins, his first four overs were, went for 30 odd. So he was just not, not mm. uh, he wasn't switched on right or they just made a, 
mm. like the proper decision to have a crack at him, I don't know. But he got better, but he didn't start off that great, and that may have put them on the back foot really early. Mm. And I thought Lyon took some time as well, getting into the groove. But he did. He did get in there. But I think those first 15-20 hours of the Indian innings was the most crucial if you're an Australian bowling attack where you say they need to be 42 for 2 or whatever. If they get to 50 for no loss, we screwed here. And that's that's what happened. And uh, from that point on, look, the other thing, Kohli couldn't get runs. Pujara was probably not happy. He didn't go in at three. What did what what did you make of Ashwin's promotion? That was a real left field decision for me. Well, there's a there's India's permanent number three right there. He could just fill that spot perfectly. Well, even after uh, they leave these shores and go abroad to Sena countries, Sena countries. Um, hey, yeah, why not? He, oh, he has the strokes. He's made, he's made hundreds. He can fit mm. in at number three. Give everybody else a. Bit more time off, take some pressure off, off Coley and, and the likes. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, just put him back at number eight and let him do his normal <laughs> job and uh, and let Pajara sit there and, and play like a wall. Pretty much. Look, this was a pitch tailor-made for somebody like Pajara. Take 170 balls, score 55, and then let everybody around him bat. Rohit Sharma did that with KL Rahul, and then you would expect Kohli to do that, do that with Pujara. And then uh, the next sort of interesting selection, Suri Kumar Yadav. I would have expected another stalwart of the Ranji season currently, Sarfraz Khan, a youngster, a rather uh, big-boned youngster, as he's known, uh, to have made the cut. But I think he was kept out. And Surya Kumar Yadav, who sort of now he's he's the darling boy around these parts. So he was included, but he couldn't get going. Well, not not that that's a bad thing or a good thing. It just happens to people, right? Did you think uh, he could have merited selection uh, ahead of somebody else who might have been in the picking order only for tests? I got the impression that he got picked on the back of having a whole flurry of runs in short form cricket. Precisely. Um, and whether or not that's a good way to put somebody into a, a test side, uh, he's—I guess—he's in form. He's probably seeing the ball like it's a bus, but hmm. maybe he only sees white balls at a bus as a bus and is um, a bit more colourblind than hmm. red ones. So I'm not—I'm not sure. I might sound horribly conservative by suggesting that they put somebody with a bit more in the way of red ball credentials in there instead. His, uh, his time may well come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the Safras Khan is one. Of course. See, Safras Khan is a youngster as well. He's only 23-24. But see, Indian selectors sometimes do this. They pick a guy just after he's off his peak and he's on the way down. And then they say, look, he was never meant to be good enough at international cricket. So Safras Khan is averaging 80 or I think 35 first-class games. And he's had a crackerjack of a Ranjit Trophy season as well. And uh, we are now going to have the finals. So the sort of the right time of the year where he's shown what he can do. So I thought that was a bit unfair on him, but we'll see if that pans out. But now moving on for the rest of the Indian order, I was really surprised and happy to see the staying power of the two left-handers, Jadeja and Akshar. Um, something you expected, something that took you by surprise? Uh, well, you don't normally expect guys that far down the order to, to do large amounts of run scoring, but I guess once they got in there, the, the bowling wasn't, I guess, just wasn't good enough to dislodge them. They weren't getting them out. They were sort of bowling at them and hoping. So it, it warmed the cockles of my heart to see a, a tail wag heavily against Australia because they have done that <laughs> to so many people over the years. They deserve a bit of their own medicine. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. That's, that's going to be useful in later tests too. Of course, not. it's all psychological as well, right? So, you know, not only with the ball, but the Indian spinners are going to be heavy on you even with the bat. So, that's that's always a bit psychological heading into the last two to three tests. So, and Shami also get in, getting in a couple of hits, right? So, Shami was a good all-rounder's role, I thought. I mean, wickets and runs. I mean, he's made himself undroppable, hasn't he? Yeah, his his batting performance, I think, was... Uh, just kind of well, let's let's score some runs quickly, and out he went and smacked a few around and did the job. So yeah, as long as well, his bowling doesn't fall in a heap, I think he probably would be quite undroppable. 
Fair enough. See, uh, from from this from this performance, I don't see uh, either Siraj or Shami being dropped unless the pitch demands that, right? In the next test. But I, I think India will still go with the same bowling lineup, the same five people. Uh, Kuldeep could have gotten in, but so in the previous episode we were discussing it, it really depends on the pitch. If they see a steady pitch, they'll take Akshar ahead of uh, Kuldeep. Rather, if they see a dangerous pitch, they'll take Akshar ahead of Kuldeep because on a dangerous pitch, you need to put the ball there or thereabouts. But on a more docile pitch, you need the bowler to do more, right? So it really depends on the pitch for me, but I don't see them breaking a breaking up a winning lineup unnecessarily. For India, do you see any changes in the lineup? Oh, I can't imagine that they, they'll stick with, um, with Sky. The bowlers all did what they needed to do. So, yeah, unless there's some really bizarre change in the pitches that you'd expect, then I can't see why they'd bother to change anything. All right. So a quick prediction on the remaining tests. Um, and the overall scoreline of BBT this year? Uh, I, uh, Australia will clearly do better. Like they might even make 150 in one of the tests. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't imagine Australia is really going to be able to win any. They might scrape one home, hmm. sort of once the uh, maybe the last test, once the interest has, has waned a bit, and the, it's already in the bag. But I, I think we're looking at. Three or four nil, or three one, four nil, something like that. Mm. So a three one or a four nil will more or less mean it'll be India Australia World uh, Test Championship Finals, come summer. Yeah, I uh, last I looked into it, I think there were some other teams that had a minor chance of getting in there, but it's down to Sri Lanka beating New Zealand or something. There's, there's a whole lot of really highly unlikely permutations. So I hmm. think we can just say it's going to be Australia and India. Oh, there's there's one other chance, one other contender. It's South Africa. So not only does India need to beat Australia three one or better, but South Africa should not win their first test against West Indies at home, right? Both of these things need to happen. Otherwise, it will be South Africa Australia. So um, I think Sri Lanka and New Zealand have completely gone off the off the chance list there. But let's just see. So at least as far as I'm concerned, India started the right way in the quest to play the World Test Championship final. Australia are already there. So all that matters really is can, you know, the rest of the things fall in place. Otherwise, I I would also take a South Africa versus Australia, right? It's going to be good. Uh, Having just seen South Africa play Australia here over the the end of last year, I'd probably rather not want to watch that horror show again. Uh, You know what? If South Africa need to do what they do, and they could go to the finals, I think that'll be a different South Africa playing Australia. Different venues too, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Scars, so many scars. Well, you, you live and learn, Mark. Or you don't, in any case. <laughs> so, right. So, moving on, if you were to take a quick look at the other test that's currently in progress, which is uh, Zimbabwe versus West Indies. So, I think the three mm. days are done, but... Again, some rain delay was there, but yeah, West Indies like just two days done, in fact, and they're completely on top. So when you look at the scorecard, you see that uh, Zimbabwe were 115 all out, and Gudakesh Moti, the spinner, he bowls good, good uh, left arm steady, left arm spin actually, orthodox, and he's he's took a seven for wonderful bowling there, and West Indies have replied with 290 for. So they may extend it by a bit or they may not. I don't know how it goes. But this is a done and dusted test as far as Zimbabwe are concerned? Uh, well, uh, the short answer is yes. Um, no no Gary Balance, no Zimbabwe, apparently. Uh, I, I can't see them getting out of it unless there's a lot more rain and they end up having a draw. Um, mm. I don't mm. think they're going to be in a position to win it at any point. They Look, um, they sort of fell over mm. very rapidly, and uh, good to see another another kid get uh, seven four right early on. So I can tell you, I was a bit disappointed. I followed a bit of the first day's play, and uh, it was it was very unfortunate to see that you know the same stickability they showed in the very first test that saved them the game. They couldn't display again here. So most of his wickets were through fast arm balls. 
it was not a pitch that was turning from day one or anything right so there was like a little bit of turn and there was enough in the pitch if you wanted to bat it was not completely a bowler dominated sort of a pitch so i was really disappointed that what happened to zimbabwe i mean look this can happen when stronger test teams play uh, weaker test teams usually in a series the first test is better contested and then it sort of uh, trickles away that that, mm-hmm. that might be the case and also zimbabwe are missing uh, sikandar raza and sean williams i think that would have been a huge difference especially to the batting no i think so yeah the um they've got a couple of guys who've debuted in this series i think the wicket keeper is playing his well his second test now mm-hmm. after his first one in the uh the opening test so having those two guys that's a lot of experience to be missing out on so whether that would have um made a huge difference we will never know but i think these the the whole thing of moti coming in mm. and boozing them somewhat i guess that's uh is that a one off is that something that's a problem with zimbabwe or is he just that clever no i mean he's he's been a, actually a journeyman uh, he's been around for a while already i know this name for 7 8 years myself i'm curious how he'll perform when he comes to india or somewhere in this subcontinent where the conditions which actually suit him and the, but the lineup would also know how to play him yeah so mm. that would be a real test so there have been west indian spinners in the last 20 25 years who've been uh, who've been moderately successful there are there abouts but when they come to the subcontinent they get found out in their own friendly conditions so why i why i say this is people like lan have one test graham swan have one test in india right if uh, i was trying to think of uh, somebody else who's done, done well and i'm completely failing um yeah i suppose with the west indies they don't uh, that's the setup of the west indies is that they seem to have tests as a bit of an afterthought so then maybe guys just aren't spinners specifically just aren't getting the experience they need to be particularly mm. penetrating and dangerous in the subcontinent so i can't rely on their fast bowlers mm ah oh, well they could so sharan gabriel has come back roach has been rested so if these two can get firing together that's something right that'd be good for a potential good sign for the future you think if they get to play more tests i haven't checked their their future mm. well they're playing but... south africa next they're going to go to south africa to play that series which we discussed earlier oh, so just next door so that's easy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so let's see let's see how that goes so okay that were the two tests now if you were to move on to the women's world cup so uh, quite a few matches the first week of exchanges are done so any surprises at all australia is still very comfortable england comfortable and South Africa started a little bit on a blip but uh, they seem to have recovered yesterday and when you look at the one team which you thought would do well but are in a little bit of trouble are New Zealand. What's mm. uh I have no idea what's gone wrong with them. They um they just were really bad against South Africa. Hmm. Uh, they just yeah, I, I maybe South Africa was feeling a little bit stung after their first match and put in the big effort I'm not sure but I I would have considered uh New Zealand to be a much better chance than what they're showing now. Right. Equally, I would have thought South Africa maybe um would be a little bit uh, a little bit reduced because Dana Fanikirk wasn't playing and and all the stuff around that. Mm, mm. I seem to be going okay. Exactly. Based on their, their, their 1-1 record, so far. Hmm. Look, when I look back at the South African cricketing teams and sporting teams in general, right, they find that extra gear in spite of missing personnel and all that. I've seen that in rugby, I've seen that in cricket. So Marizan Cap may or may not find that required gear herself, What with whatever happened off field, yeah? So, hmm. but they've done well. It's, it's at home. They'll not want to let their home audience down. So I expect... they will bring that extra special um gear to the game but yesterday i was really disappointed new zealand double digits all out 76 was it so that uh, that was 67 right 67 there you go that was a bit disappointing because it was still a middling sort of a total they didn't run away with it south africa 130 134 it was chaseable i thought so that was a bit disappointing for me chloe trion i think 
very well with both the bat and the ball. She's been doing well in the last couple of months. Do you see her play a major role in the World Cup then? Um, I think she she seems to have stepped up a bit more of late. Um, she played in uh, the WBBL down here la- last year, I think. And uh, I'm, I'm making this statement without any stats to back me up. She seemed to, to pop up quite a lot with sort of uh, very useful cameos from memory. Mm. So she seems to be uh, in a good spot to use another cliche. Oh, no, her and Mlaba, who was sort of always in the team, not doing much. Look, Shabni Mismail has not done much. Ayabonga Kaka has not done much yet. So their fast bowling lineup, I expect, will come to the party sometime shortly, right? And then Marisa and Cap, I expect, as the tournament goes on, will shrug off whatever that is bothering her. And if that, that's a real, real good outfit right there. And they're playing at home, right? And the other good team that I see, well, India, I think they're looking very confident right now, but that's just of one game. So I was, first of all, very surprised they considered 149. I'd only seen the first half of that Pakistan batting innings. Then I did other things. And did you did you catch this game, India-Pakistan? What did you think of that? Uh, it was a good game. Uh, I didn't see the whole thing live. I only saw um, a highlights package afterwards, for the most part. Uh, it seems like they both traditional rivals kind of thing um they seem to both both seems teams seem to be fairly invested in it all pakistan did much better than i was expecting they would yeah i mean i thought they were in with a real chance and in the end it was the plucky ghosh the keeper and mm. uh, of course uh jemima rodrix who sort of rediscovered herself in the indian middle order uh they they took uh india home and uh you know i was a bit nervous i saw the last five hours live and um, India needed uh, 41 or 4 in the end, and then they got it on just three, three overs. Uh, balls to spare. You might as well put them in the bank and save them up for another day. Well, that's not how it works, I suppose, in <laughs> cricket, but net Shame. run rate might still help. You know, if, just um, as a joke, um, you, what you mentioned is very interesting. Uh, towards the end of, we play what we call gully cricket here, the cricket on the streets, right? Mm. So a friend of mine had invented such a such a way where the first innings would have, would be nine overs. The second innings would only be eight. So if you were able to get the opposition all out before their full quota, you would claim those balls. Ah. But then a draw was a real, real result as well. So because you got less number of overs, if the opposition batted nine, because you got only eight, if they couldn't get you all out by then, then they had to take a draw. It was not just a limited overs game. So a friend of mine had invented such a game and I've taught this to a couple more other people with whom I've played. So, something interesting, yeah? So, you can still keep the kids uh, who play interested in the sort of long format approach mm. even when you play the short format. Don't tell the ICC that. They might try to adopt it for the the next cycle of World Championship games. <laughs> Come on. Uh, we are test match fans, right? This is a test match podcast. Why not? <laughs> okay. So now, um, the other team I'm really enthusiastic about was Sri Lanka. They've, they've got a couple of easy games, I must say. Bangladesh were really punching below their weight. I don't know what happened in that game. And I think on these pitches, what I see, 135 might not be as bad a total as it might appear. Uh, yeah. Um, from what I've seen, that one, the 130, 140 sort of score seems to be fairly, fairly attainable. Um, hmm. I guess if, as far as Bangladesh goes, I think they've been making some strides in the right direction, but they seem to be a bit off as well. So well, whether or not... Um, yeah. Look, for Asian teams travelling abroad, the men's teams had this in the 90s, at least the Indian team and Bangladesh team had it even in the 2000s, right? So whenever they go into alien conditions, I think they're still not able to adapt from match one. Right, So that was what might have happened for Bangladesh. It was their first game. But I expect them to compete hard. Right, So um, it's going to be interesting. But I'll ask you that question, which is more uh, to, heading towards the other end of the tournament. Who do you see as mm-hmm. the semi-finalists? Uh, I think we can lock in you know, Australia and India and probably... South Africa and England would be the other ones, I think, at this point. I'm, I'm not sure mm. if Sri Lanka are going to be able to 
to sustain it all the way through. They've, they've won, won the mm. first two, so they're in the right spot heading on further into the tournament. But yeah, I'm just not, not entirely sure they'll make it. Absolutely. So I think some of these head-to-heads coming up in the next couple of games might be very crucial, especially for South Africa. I think New Zealand are very much on the brink. Bangladesh will have a lot to do. So I think I will go with those four as well. Right? But so the real right question on. is, do you, see, do you see anybody snatching the trophy out of Australia's hands? Uh, Australia did lose uh, one of the warm-up games to Ireland. I think they purposefully lost that. But, no. yeah, they, I think uh, you probably can't really put too much stock in that. So I can't, I can't really see anybody else winning the whole thing other than Australia. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm hoping, you know, come the day, whichever is the team facing them in the final, they will definitely make the final, right? So yeah. maybe it is um, India, maybe it's South Africa. I really hope, you know, something odd happens for this Australian team because they seem to just know only one way to play, win, right? So I think what have they lost? One game or two years or three years or some such uh, yeah, ridiculous they've, number like that. They've lost, they've lost two games since 1997 or something outrageous. It's just disgusting. <laughs> That's even even more even more daunting than the men's. Well, they very much so. The, the Australian women just don't seem to be able to do any wrong, which is good for the sport, I think, in some ways. Gets them a lot of yeah, attention down Australian. here. Yeah, if, uh, it's maybe not so great if you're from any other country that has to play them. Very daunting task. Ah, nonetheless, uh, some at least a couple of weeks of very exciting cricket for us to see before the eventual uh, winner has uh, emerged, but mm-hmm. emerging, but let's see. So now moving on, uh, there are two finals of uh, T20 leagues that have uh, taken place in the interim. So one is the SA T20 finals. The other is the finals of uh, the ILT20, the Dubai or the United Arab Emirates based league. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I didn't catch any of both of these tournaments. I'll be frank with you. There's too many, too much cricket going on and other things going on. So, were you able to catch any of these tournaments with uh, of any number of games to make a observation? I saw the um, a fair amount of the final of the SA20, and I saw smatterings of other games. The the IL20. They need to come up with better names than just a, a couple of letters <laughs> and a 20. Um, I don't think they're uh, down here. I don't think we have any access, sort of easy access to seeing either games. Um, so I must admit that I have seen basically nothing mm-hmm. of it as well. It's, it's sort of a, in a way, all these different T20 leagues are just like a standard domestic competition that you might hear about if somebody you know is playing in it. You might sort of occasionally glance at it and think, oh, well, there's someone who I liked has made a few runs or taken a few wickets. Otherwise, mm. the, the IL-20 especially just didn't, didn't capture my attention at all. I think that's what happened with most of us fans. This is what I read as well as saw online. But, you know, the Desert Vipers and Gulf Giants played the final and Gulf Giants won it comfortably. Right, but then there is a story within a story here. Gerhard Erasmus, the captain of the girl, Gulf Giants, or one of the players of Gulf Giants, he captains Namibia. He's in action today, and you tell me you've been following this game, Namibia Nepal. Yes, uh, he made a pretty handy fifty. Um, part of the commentary was suggesting that he's actually the best associate mm. batsman getting around at the moment. Oh, he won the trophy too, no? Dicey's trophy. Yes, yes. Um, after the whatever it was last year, um, so yeah, he's Namibia. I'm, I have a, a partiality to Namibia and have for many, many years. Uh, and it's it's good to see guys from Namibia getting attention and making runs. Um, Michael Fanlingen made 130 odd as well today, and mm. uh, that was his highest ever score. So. Absolutely. Uh, Good to see them. Good to see them. In, they played a ninety sort of an innings, no? So where they built it up slowly, they got to 125 for two or something. 
uh, within uh, the close to 30th over and then they built it up from there sort of very 90s sort of an innings but 285 is a very strong score against anybody but nepal i think are particularly good at home so i remember them giving netherlands a proper drubbing right so i, I expect it will be a tough contest this one whichever way it swings nepal are currently 52 for 1 in 11 overs so they have also made a very decent start in this chase so I, i expect this might go down to the wire so an exciting game if you will continue to follow along i will be tuning back into that as soon as we're done if not before no no i'll give you I'll my full attention keep, i'll try to keep you as short a time as possible right so the next uh, final was the sat sat 20 final which was won by won by the uh, sunrisers eastern cape so the sunrisers have won something finally uh it just took them opening up 48 different franchise teams across the world and eventually success will come <laughs> well But, uh, once yeah. you get success right it doesn't matter how you taste it then you'll know the taste of success you're not going to miss out on it elsewhere as well no you'll you'll walk past your trophy cabinet and there'll be that one thing in there and you'll go well we need to put more let's win more games win more things exactly exactly and then they come up against everybody else who's got the same idea and yeah mm. well you know point of competition i guess they asked dhoni this question you won it all at some point in time he held the world uh, test champ uh, world test mace it was called at right? the world test uh, championship as it was called mm. back then as world test ranking so he held the world uh, number one team mace in tests he held the t20 and the icc champions trophy if i'm not wrong now i think it was the icc champions trophy the world cup a uh, 50 or trophy and the test championship mace so then he was asked what what more and i remember he was also the ipl winning captain so they asked him what more do you want and he said i would like to do it all again such greedy people yeah that is just great ah oh, it's outrageous right i mean i don't know what it takes to be an elite sports person so if you talk of tennis people winning 20 grand slams 22 grand slams and so on yeah uh i can barely win a, a coin toss so i <laughs> very very foreign concept to me no nah, that's champion stuff that's a thought process that is different you know i'll not go too far away but there's a story about michael jordan so he was traveling on a plane with friends and they were just sitting around talking and they started playing a game of cards and being competitive people they had to bet something right so this guy had to even win that and he said i don't even like to let somebody brag that they, they took 50 dollars of me if i'm playing i'm playing to win that's about it right yeah. that's the attitude so mark we need to learn something here yeah that's a that's a bit obnoxious really so yes let's learn that it's okay so look look at some of uh, very successful cricketers like steve smith obnoxiousness gets you everywhere oh god i hate looking at steve smith but yeah i take your point <laughs> fair enough so uh, another small news which i forgot to mention when we discussed the the Bordgasco trophy of course is that the third test has been moved out of Dharamshala because they were not happy about the outfield the grass was not growing as fast as it should because of the cold etc or maybe the pitch was too bowler friendly or whatever oh, so in I any thought case, it was because of um, the giant Himalayan gophers were just digging holes in the outfield <laughs> so it was the goats hmm. yes <laughs> so goat okay uh, whatever whatever uh, whatever that might be so there you go and then it's been moved to uh, indoor which is not very far as the crow flies uh, from uh, nagpur but i must say i mean the crow must be a strong one uh, india is big but it's definitely much closer to dharamshala uh, much closer to nagpur than dharamshala so uh, interesting right so i think it might be another uh, it might be another uh, similar sort of a pitch i expect because similar sort of weather conditions as well it's been an unseasonally unseasonably hot late winter early spring in india i'm here and i can tell you that so what do you expect so we'll see we'll see uh, we've already gone through this so uh, moving on i think i think there is another one of your favorite cricketers who's, who's decided to hang up his boots ian morgan uh yeah i hope uh, well in first off i thought he had actually retired already but oh, i think he's officially re- just giving up everything now not just his international stuff mm, um, mm. i'd like to think he'll go back and help irish cricket but i imagine he's 
deeply embedded in the English system, so he probably won't end up doing that. I mean, frankly, between the two of us, I expect him to be sort of an assistant T20 coach within that year or two. Uh, the follow the team. standard road of going into the IPL and being an assistant coach there and working mm-hmm. his way up mm-hmm. the ranks. Yeah, I think it, it seems that that's something that he's interested in. He was, um, hmm. well, he wasn't captain coach when he was uh, playing for England, but I think he had a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, KKR, yeah, I think. So. Uh, when he took them to finals, KKR, I think uh, that was sort of completely unexpected. He was nowhere uh, near a good bat as he was, but his leadership acumen took them to the finals, I remember. Right? So I, th- I think he might get a cushy seat somewhere in one of the IPL teams. And then, as you say, in a year or two, you might see him pop up as an assistant coach in one of the international teams, maybe England even. So, well, I think he's, he's, he has his thing sorted out. He's a, he's a tough guy. He knows what he's doing. So nonetheless, we wish him all the best going forward. Uh, that brings us to the other main topic that I wanted to discuss, the women's IPL auction, right? So 87 players were bought. A good number of Indian money was spent, something 60 crores close to, that is about 7.3 million US dollars, right? So if you look at the team-wise summary, everybody's bought 17 or 18, or even 16 players, so five teams. So the costliest Smriti Mandana bought by uh, RCB, but this was expected that she would she would be one of the costliest players, and that's how it turned out to be, right? So, Indian player, potential captain, also a talismanic player, right? And uh, young enough that you can build a franchise around her. Um, any surprises there for you? Um, I think she went for uh, it was about six hundred thousand Australian dollars, which is a pretty good payday. Um, mm-hmm. Ash Gardner, the um, Ashley Gardner, Oscar. yes. The uh, good old Australian all-rounder, she went for not much less than that. Absolutely. So it's good, it's good to see some money actually in the system. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh, I guess there were a couple of people. I, I saw only one small part of the actual auction itself, and it was all very slick and professional and lots of sweeping camera angles and right. musical stings and stuff, um, and that was uh, Alana King not getting picked up by a team. Exactly. I was about to bring that up. You you brought it up yourself. That was very surprising. Maybe because if she, I don't know, because she was from the foreign contingent, she didn't get picked up. Because I thought one of the best pinners out there, along with Ecclestone, currently is uh, is Alana King. Yeah, it was unusual. I'm not. I don't. I, having had a quick look at the who got bought for what and who didn't get bought, I was starting to form a vague theory that. Perhaps they're opting more for local spinners rather than overseas spinners, except in mm. sort of a few cases, um, which I haven't haven't backed that up with any proper research. But um, some of the players they didn't pick, Sarah Glenn didn't get, mm. didn't get picked. I don't think Suna Lee got picked either. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't I know if somebody... hmm. Go on. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a, is there a second round that they go through and and pick people up later on as reserves, or is this the the final team? I, I think they're pretty much finalised. I think only one of the teams, UP Warriors, has sixteen. The rest have seventeen or eighteen, which is what they would have hoped for. Most of them have spent their kitty. That's the whole point. So there might not be a lot left, except for some developmental players to help in the nets and so on, right? So when you look at the list of players that have been bought and amount of prices shelled out. Elisa Perry was a cheap buy for RCB, I thought. Again, maybe age is against uh, her. I think, and, yeah, she's, she's more at the end of her career than the, than the beginning, but I think mm. it's probably a fairly, fairly good get, I think. Right. Talia Magrath, I thought, might have had a better price. And Beth Mooney, well, I expected her to go closer to Mandana that way because, again, opener... Uh, very, very gritty and, again, potential captain material and so on. But the one thing that sort of left me not very disappointed but sort of uh, surprised, Harman Preetkar, not right up there when it comes to the amount of money that was spent on her. Yeah, I guess she's another one who's who's not the future so much. She's she's had the career. She's towards hmm. the end. Hmm. Perhaps uh, investing in someone younger is a better option for all the teams. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you look at her own 
teammates so you, you could easily see smriti mandana you will see deepthi sharma you will see a lot of other people even um, jamima rodrix all of these people over taking her in the amount of money they earned but even shafali verma but shafali verma is the coming girl as i say coming woman of the uh, mm, women's cricket club yeah absolutely actually she's the world cup winning captain even right now right so there have been a couple of uh, nice picks harleen deol uh, went away very cheaply um, richa gosh attracted a much bigger bid again rcb rcb like to buy big players and keep them together for a while right that's what they do even in the men's team but the it looks like they have they have they've they built a much more balanced team with the women's uh, with the women's uh, approach I've, i was thinking when i was looking through the team list earlier on Um, I'm going to have to barrack for Gujarat because there's four Australians in the team, so I guess I'll have to. Ah, I see. That's, that's my see. one concession to patriotism is that not, that's probably what ah. I'm doing. Um, All right, you can have that. No worries. And where do you think my loyalty to Royal Challengers come from? I come from the city, after all. Um, oh, but, uh, I did, uh, sorry, to, I've just thought of something I was going to bring Go up. Um, uh, Alyssa Healy. She seems yeah. to have been uh, pretty heftily undervalued. Is it because Indians don't like her? Is she is she too much of an Australian wicketkeeper for people to yeah. appreciate her over there? I think so. That the name Healy and uh, Healy Stark could be a problem. No, I'm mm. kidding. I think somebody well, bought her off cheap. Her and Jess Jonathan, I'm telling you, those were like amazing purchases. Yes. Uh, it, it, yeah, it surprised me that um, she didn't go, Alyssa Healy at least, didn't go for... more than she did and chloe trion and base price $37,000. are you kidding me those two together are enough to win most games but they are not on the same team but mumbai indians bought chloe trion and denefanaker went to uh, rcb i don't know if it's really weight related things or anything but legally i don't spot on the list at all uh no i'm not even sure if she grand up for rcb she would Um, Laura Volvard didn't get picked up mm, on. Laura Volvard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, Susie Bates, I don't think, got picked up either. Susie Bates didn't get picked up. Laura Volvard didn't pick up. Amy Bowman didn't get picked up. What's that all about? Sune Luz. Chamari Atapattu. Are you kidding me? Nobody picked up. Yeah. It definitely That's is, I think. Very strange, unless maybe there's a, a political angle behind the scenes with some of these personalities, perhaps. I don't know. Leah to who who Freya Davies and Freya Davies is really young. So yeah, you, uh, but Tess Flintoff, I don't think she got picked up either. And she's sort of a, an up and comer mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's some learning going on here. I would not go beyond that. I would not say things like, uh, you know, political angle because Sri Lankan cricket and Indian cricket have always been friends. Remember whenever India needed somebody to play, they would call on Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka would come. Or we would go hmm. there. Okay. Uh, did, um, who's the girl from Bangladesh with the really strong eyeliner? Uh, Jahanar Alam. Alam, yeah. I don't think she got picked No. Again, weird. No? Okay. Okay. I mean, uh, look, I think this is so much more uh, stats-driven than we would give credit for. I think teams work around the clock for weeks to then come up with these sort of lists because it's money after all, yeah? So there may be more behind the scenes to do with simple simple mathematical models and so on that may have given these players to be let out. It is only the out. first edition of the whole thing too, so maybe we shouldn't be too critical of them. Exactly. Not picking exactly. up a couple of people here and there. Yeah, but overall a very successful uh, auction and a lot of players, a lot of money. And again, as I keep telling you, this this at least will change the way women's cricket is pursued in this part of the world, I'm hoping. So um, it's, um, it's, it's made the news down here. So mm. it made the news from the point of view that Ash Gardner and Elise Perry and and so on have, have made some money being picked up for an IPL team. But it's, um, ordinarily, I don't think we could get a great deal of coverage of women's cricket overseas unless Australia okay. was directly involved. So it's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on the space in the coming episodes as well. So. Um, some small mentions now. Well, Sridharan Sriraman, who was sort of in charge of the Bangladeshi T20 team, 
uh, might not return is one of the rumors we hear nothing is confirmed of course because recently you saw chandika hathorasinga being brought back and uh, he was given the longer format teams and it was announced that shriran shiraman would stay with the t20 bangladesh team but maybe it looks like he might not go back to that job uh, surprises for you uh well do they have anybody else sort of subtly lined up to take over have they been trying to court somebody hmm to come in and take the job and just keeping him on the on the end of the hook until they can finalize it i don't think so i think it might be just the other guy the other big guy hathura singh is saying uh, let me be in charge of all three things or um you know there might be some ideological differences in the way these two people approach the game and the coaching setup so the board may have mm-hmm. said you know one one guy we trust and he has to let's give him all three you know uh yeah hopefully it's not a case that we can't afford to pay an extra uh, guy hmm but... yeah okay we we don't know these things but we really hope you know uh, as far as i'm concerned i i need to see or as a fan of sports i would like to see a revival of bangladeshi cricket they were punching well above their weight 2015 2016 they've fallen on the wayside currently i would rather see them mm. go back to that whatever happens off the field is one thing but i would like bangladesh cricket to stand up again and start boxing punching hard right so let, let's hope yes. that comes through fingers crossed cuz yeah i like them as well they're a, they seem like a pleasant bunch of people <laughs> which, oh, yes. which is an odd odd way to um to judge a cricket team but well as your uh, former uh, captain grumpy said don't st- don't show thumbs up to your opposition play with a slightly harder edge no yeah that's that's why i hate the australian team look mate he, he he got your uh, he got your team to where it was by holding it by the year i think in the 80s he let boon drink 52 beers on a flight to england and all that but he's known as captain grumpy for a reason i think that's what he should say if he said smile and wave your arms i i, I would be a bit more concerned yeah it might be senility yeah yeah it, you've got to you can't go out there treating it like um a bit of village cricket you've got to take it all very seriously but there's a, a point where it stops being taking it seriously and turns into being an obnoxious obsessive i think <laughs> yeah it is, it is just a game line. at the end of it all Mm. So, yeah. Well, it's that fine line that Australian cricketers like to straddle. I think, especially the men's cricketers. Ah, uh, the, the fine line, as far as Australian cricket goes, is is just an excuse. So, oh, we don't cross the line, but the line constantly moves to just past where they crossed. So they never actually cross the line. <laughs> they keep moving it until they end up getting fined. Or, uh, mm. Well, the truer words haven't. have never been spoken i think about australian cricket but i'll let that rest that's quite prophetic i don't think you can top that so any last parting words mog um go namibia fair enough and anything to plug uh, uh no not particularly um listen to guerrilla cricket people because that's where you get to hear me warble stupid songs that's extent of that absolutely and mog is also on twitter so if you are associated with guerrilla cricket world or any other way i think he 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 occasionally puts out some uh, inane political related tweets which i have seen i must say so <laughs> he's a nice guy to follow on twitter right just to, yeah um be prepared for potential strong language and um, terrible opinions oh yes I must complimenting you on uh, no uh, unsavory four letter words in this podcast. Well done. That's been taken every inch of willpower. Oh. You know, there's a joke about General Patton when he met the Queen of England or was it the King of England at that point in time? Yeah. So king. General Patton was introduced to the King of England and he had gone red in the face in 5 minutes because he was trying to hold in all those swear words that General Patton is famous for. Yeah. So, well done. done. Well done. <laughs> you've you've won a great battle for yourself as well. As a all the all all just to to make your life easier. Thank you very much. And I'm sure all our listeners appreciate your inputs as well as your uh, decent language, but wonderful chat as always. So I would It's like to pleasure. thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh just a small word of uh 
yeah, excuse if I may say this, both me and Mog have been sitting in a slightly noisy environment and there may be some uh, some ambient noises that may have been picked up. So I would like to uh, request an indulgence from our uh, audience. Well, if you made it this far, thank you very much. And we wish all our audience a good day wherever they may be listening from. Thank you and bye-bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.